play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, actress Jenny Slate's Last Meal. It would be pretty junky, to be honest. But like, are you allowed to have weed? Jenny Slate stars in the new film Landline. She starred in Obvious Child, a movie I loved so much I went to the movie theater twice to see it. Maybe even got popcorn both times. She spent one season on Saturday Night Live, and she co-created and is the voice of the most adorable thing on the internet, kittens aside, called Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I'm afraid to drink soda because I'm afraid the bubbles will make me float up onto the ceiling. Also on the program, producer Aaron and I take a bona fide field trip to Tweed's Cafe in North Bend, Washington, AKA the Double R Diner, for a slice of Twin Peaks cherry pie and a damn fine cup of coffee. Well, we became known for Cherry Pie due to David Lynch and Mark Frost, and there was a TV series called Twin Peaks, and uh, they happened to come into this restaurant, and uh, I liked it, and decided they were going to use it for one of the sets in their their show. And it's kind of hard to talk about Cherry Pie without talking about... She's my Cherry Pie! We learn the story behind Warren's hit song, Cherry Pie, with original guitarist Joey Allen. I'm not necessarily a Cherry Pie fan, Not the song, not the record, but the actual food. And the reason why is because... Ooh, cliffhanger. That's what we in the business call a tease. All of that is coming up later in the show. But right now, let's settle in with one of my favorite comedians, one of my favorite actors, Jenny Slate. She most recently co-starred in the film Landline with Edie Falco and John Turturro. So talking about the film, Landline, I loved it. I watched it with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I read about the filmmakers is that they set it in the 90s because they liked the fact that there wasn't social media or texting or online dating. Um, and I also read another article that you don't like computers. Is that true? No, I don't like computers. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think they're ugly and boring and too complicated. And I just don't like them. They don't make me feel good. I I agree, and I also think that kids today, if I may, like won't have as much character maybe as we had because like how nervous you had to be to call someone you liked, and their mom would answer, and there was no caller ID. Yeah. Oh, my best friend um, has a little boy, and his name is Franklin. And a lot of my friends actually call me Jerry or Jer. Like very few people actually call me Jenny. Usually, everyone calls me Jerry. Anyway, this little boy Franklin calls me Uncle Jerry. And he, they have a landline at their house. And I call and he's like trained to pick up, you know, the phone and say like what residence it is. And I say, it's this is Uncle Jerry calling. And I feel like this kid talking on the phone, first of all, it gives him really nice manners. But he's, he, he seems very different to me, but he's also not allowed to use computers. Were you a crank caller in your youth? Um, I wanted to be, but I was afraid. Yeah. I like the concept of it. But you know what I was? A pantser. No, you weren't. Af- you weren't afraid to pants. I was not afraid to pants. Huh. You know, if you're gonna do it, you know who that person you're doing it to is. You know what they look like. Yeah. Usually, it's almost actually like I would never pants someone to be mean. I'd pants like my friends mm-hmm. at an all-girls summer camp. 
Okay. You know, so not at school. No, it's not like you're gonna your butt's gonna be out in front of a boy. It was only at camp and only to like my best friends. Can you pants all kinds of pants or like what if someone's wearing a belt? Do you need elastic waist? You need elastic waist. Yeah, you can't just I mean, that's like violence. You can't like rip someone's <laughs> jeans off. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and if there's a drawstring and they tie it, you're you're f- yeah, I'm thinking now in modern days, like with skinny jeans and like high waisted pants, like pantsing would be really, really, really hard, if not impossible. Oh, yeah. Like no one is <laughs> like, I'm going to be wearing these pants for the rest of my life. I can't even pants myself. It's tight. Can we talk about Marcel the Shell? That's how I discovered you. And I don't know if you ever get this feeling. When I watched it, I was like, oh, it's so good. Why didn't I come up with that? Like I could never have come up with that because that's not my brain. It's your brain. But like that feeling of just like, this is just so beautiful it's just the combination of adorable and clever and I just loved it where did the inspiration for Marcel the Shell come from well it doesn't just come from me it comes from my one of my closest friends and my ex-husband Dean Fleischer Camp we made it together we never anticipated that really anybody would see it you know we just started he started to interview me in the voice and we started to put the character together and the more we improvised um, the more it came together really natural process And um, it came to represent our connection, our love of the unique self, our love of the outsider. Um, It was a beautiful thing that we did and that we continue to do together. So I was lucky enough to get to interview Jenny Slate in a hotel room in Seattle. She was here for SIF, which is the Seattle International Film Festival. And I was so excited to get to like hang out in a hotel room with somebody that I really admire. So I thought it'd be really cool if I could figure out one of her favorite foods and bring it to her as a gift and we could eat it and talk about it. And I couldn't find anything. I watched a ton of interviews. I kept Googling like Jenny Slate food, Jenny Slate favorite food, Jenny Slate, all these things. And she never, ever, ever talks about food. So I was unable to bring her that kind of gift. However, I did buy her some chocolate bars, which I got so nervous I didn't give her. And then I walked outside of the hotel and looked in my bag and was like, ah, so many chocolate bars and and felt weird about going up and knocking on the door. So I ate them myself in the car. Uh, <laughs> all of it, this to say that we're transitioning now into talking about food. Jenny Slate, what would your last meal be? I hope it isn't purse chocolate. Okay, for sure. I would have a Shirley Temple with an extra cherry. It would be a bummer to not have really good buffalo chicken fingers with ranch. And... Man, this is really tough, but I think um, a cherry pie with vanilla ice cream. It would be pretty junky, to be honest. But, like, are you allowed to have weed? Yeah. Okay, yeah, then I would smoke a ton of weed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's kind of cherry at the beginning, cherry at the end. Yeah. You know what's really weird is I'm allergic to raw cherries. I'm allergic to all raw stone fruits. They make my whole mouth explode, like blow up. Um... And I love, I love cherries so much. I feel like I should have a vegetable in there, but, you know, this is how, this is, if I were to go today, that's what my last meal would be. I think the weed is your green. Oh, yeah. And why the buffalo chicken, is it chicken fingers, chicken strips? Buffalo chicken tenders is actually what you should probably say. Yeah, what I should say. Um, Man, I love buffalo. I'm disgusting. I wish I'd been like roast chicken, like whatever, but I'm just like buffalo fingers. Because I grew up, we grew up eating like, it was the 80s, there was a major cholesterol scare. It was like we're eating 
plain basmati rice and steamed broccoli. And, like, both of my parents are artists. We're not having any buffalo chicken fingers. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have McDonald's until I was, like, 16. So I'm really obsessed with buffalo, buffalo stuff. And so was that something that you would eat at a friend's house when you were a kid? Like, what was your first exposure to that? I don't even think that I had buffalo flavor until I was, like, 16 or 17. It's insane. But also, it wasn't super big in the 90s and 80s. Buffalo feels like pretty, you know, Y2K to me. (laughs) Put it in the bomb shelter. That's right. Big time. I mean, I'm thinking, like, is this like a TGI Fridays kind of thing or what? You know, uh, TGI Fridays is not my choice for Buffalo. Although sometimes in the airport, they really get it done. Hmm. They really do. You know what delights me is like a good room service buffalo with that like like a battered fried and battered yeah so it's basically like fried and battered and then it's the sauce it's that kind of frank's red hot like super bite sauce yeah it's like frank's red hot but like a little bit thicker do you like ordering room service when you're traveling i love ordering room service and i love taking things out of the mini bar and like because you as a kid it's like you don't even go near that fridge you got to be crazy you know if you think you're gonna like open a coke like that's insane and sometimes so like I, I really like that and I really like ordering coffee in the morning and like having a bathrobe on when the person comes I think that's really nice and saying good morning to them and I like that so are you able to open that little fridge now and not even think about it and take something out because I still get like mm, shouldn't do this oh I I don't feel a fear anymore. I, I'm like straight up like, Ooh. like it's it's delight. It's like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just so bad. I'm gonna open two drinks. I'm gonna open the whiskey and the ginger ale, and like I'm gonna have a cocktail alone because I'm an adult. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Do you recall like a particularly good room service experience, like a place you went that had a really good menu, or you ordered something really good? Mm, 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 mm. There are so many, and I travel a lot, yeah. so like you know that's. Oh, you know, I really like the room service at the Crosby Hotel in New York. It's very delicious. It's important to me that room service has a good club sandwich, mm-hmm. a good, like, steak frites, and, you know, some buffalo chicken tenders. But that's not always the case. Why Shirley Temple? Have you drank those since you were a kid? Yeah, Shirley Temple is my favorite drink. It was, like, the treat that we would get. We, we didn't have soda in our house, which my mom called tonic. Because I'm from Boston. She called Tonic. Um, when we would go to a restaurant, we were allowed to have one Shirley Temple. And it was like, all right, don't suck it down because you're not going to get another. But don't wait. Like my, my older sister would like wait and then it gets watery and then it's ruined. You got to really pace yourself. It's like a very cool exercise. A Shirley Temple is traditionally made with ginger ale or 7-Up, a splash of grenadine, and it's always garnished with at least one maraschino cherry. What's grenadine? Grenadine is red. (laughs) There you have it. I don't know. Let's look it up. I think of it as like sugar water you'd give to a hummingbird, but let's see what it actually is. There is something hummingbird-esque about Jenny Slate. She's small and she moves fast. Okay. Grenadine is a commonly used non-alcoholic bar syrup characterized by a flavor that is both tart and sweet and by a deep red color. Still don't know what it is. Oh, it was originally prepared from pomegranate juice, sugar, and water. Do you feel satisfied? I do. Good. Uh, So as for the Shirley Temple's origin, there are many people who claim to have invented the Shirley Temple. So as one story goes, Shirley Temple, the actress, was still a little girl. She went out to dinner with her parents who were drinking old fashions, which 
is a cocktail that's also garnished with maraschino cherries. And apparently she was whining while they were drinking. So the bartender decided to make her a mocktail and came up with the Shirley Temple just for her. That is one story. Uh, the late Chasens in Hollywood claims they invented the drink for her 10th birthday. The Brown Derby in Hollywood says they came up with it, as does the Royal Hawaiian Hotel, which is a resort where Shirley Temple frequented. But regardless of the origin story, it turns out that Shirley Temple, the person, is not a fan of Shirley Temple, the drink. Here she is being interviewed by NPR's Scott Simon back in 1986. Those saccharine, sweet, icky drinks. Those are the ones. Yes. Well, those were created in the probably middle 1930s by the Brown Derby restaurant in Hollywood. And I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but all over the world, I am served that. They, people think it's funny. They think you like it or something. I hate them. They're, well, they're too sweet. You know, they're, yeah. um, I think the drink is basically made with um, ginger ale or, or 7-Up and yeah. maraschino cherry juice and maybe five cherries. And I don't know how to make one. I've never made one in my life. Yeah. But I was even served one in Moscow. I'm served it on airplanes. I'm not really in favor of a child having um, a cocktail, yeah. which this kind of... I remember once uh, one of the large... Um, beverage companies wanted to make a Shirley Temple cocktail in a can or a bottle that you could you know, buy and take yeah. home. And I uh, wouldn't allow it. Shirley Temple passed away in 2014, but her cloyingly sweet drink lives on. And Jenny Slate will happily suck one down. Oh, and speaking of cloyingly sweet and syrupy, Jenny wants cherry pie for the dessert at her last meal. Oh, cherry pie is my favorite dessert, I think, besides donuts, which I think are a dessert. Even They're like a breakfast dessert. But um, cherry pie, I just, I love it so much. I love cherry pie. Yeah. And you know what? You should probably put some whipped cream on there, too. Okay. With the vanilla okay. ice cream. When we come back, I will eat my very first slice of cherry pie, the day I was born an American, as I like to call it, in a very, very iconic location. If you're a Twin Peaks fan, you'll be extra delighted. Stick around. Just a ferry ride away from Seattle is the Kitsap Peninsula, a land of gorgeous forests, sparkling water for kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, and adorable seaside towns with locally-owned boutiques and family-owned restaurants. I have done so many day trips to the Kitsap Peninsula. Wine tasting on Bainbridge Island, a girl's trip to Paul's Bow, ice cream and architecture in Port Gamble, watching the seals play from the beach in Port Orchard, and I still haven't seen it all. If you're like me and like off-the-beaten-path places where the locals vacation, you are going to love the Kitsap Peninsula. And this month, we're talking about Bremerton and Silverdale. So Bremerton is known as a naval town, and there are museums if you're into the big ships. But the restaurant scene has been really growing over the past several years. Grab a bowl of clam chowder or homemade lumpia at Bremerton's veteran-owned Axe and Arrow. And visit a land and gardens to see meticulously trimmed bonsai and a tree that has been around since 300 BC. Plan your visit. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal. You can also find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound.
If you are a Twin Peaks fan, you may know that much of the show was filmed in North Bend, Washington, a little old mill town about half an hour from Seattle with low-slung buildings and big mountain views. And in the heart of downtown North Bend is a classic old diner that's been around since 1941. Twin Peaks director David Lynch discovered the diner in 1990, and the rest is history. Here is Kyle Tweed, owner of Tweed's Cafe. They were looking for sort of dark, campy, 1940s, 1950s architecture, and there's a lot of that here in town. And uh, they happened to come into this restaurant, and uh, I liked it, and decided they were going to use it for the set, uh, one of the sets in their, their show. And then evidently, um, through that first filming, uh, Kyle McLaughlin had said something when he was sitting at one of these stools over here about damn fine coffee and that's where pies go when they go to heaven and it just really struck a chord. Uh, that's that's kind of how it came about. Hordes of tourists from around the world descend on Tweeds to order two things, cherry pie and a damn fine cup of coffee. I've had, I can't tell you how many cups of coffee in my life, and this, this is one of the best. So producer Aaron and I drove out to Tweeds to do the same. Hi, thank you. Hey, thanks. Coffees? Yes, uh, decaf for me, please. One regular one yeah. decaf? thank you. Aesthetically speaking, Tweeds hits all of the notes of a perfect diner. It has the classic black and white checkered floor, a yellow Formica horseshoe counter in the center of the restaurant, surrounded by cherry red stools, and booths around the perimeter of the room. Kyle Tweed says there was an arson fire back in 2000, so he redid the diner in a sort of red, white, and blue Americana theme. But when David Lynch approached Kyle Tweed about filming the new Twin Peaks series for Showtime just a few years ago, he asked if he could take the diner back to its original look. So lucky for Tweeds, Lynch picked up the tab and gave the diner the vintage look it has today. And that decor goes perfectly with a slice of cherry pie. Do you want to get your own or do you want to share? I don't want to get my own. You're a little pig, aren't I'm you? I'm going to need a whole pie. Okay. I need a whole slice of pie. We decided we shouldn't be, you know, people who just eat pie for breakfast. That's something that kids who ran away from home do. So <laughs> we decided to have some breakfast to go along with our pie. It's kind of weird. I kind of want like a green salad. <clears throat> what's, what's wrong with me? I'll have a white Zinfandel and a green salad, please. <laughs> Hi, I'm from around here. <laughs> it's 1020. Sure, I'll have a green salad. I did end up getting a green salad for breakfast. Weird. So weird. So much blue cheese dressing, though. It was real good dressing. Uh, I also got a side of hash browns because I'm not a monster. And in the end, we shared a slice of cherry pie, something I have never eaten before. And honestly, I have never had any interest in trying. This blows my mind, still. I mean, I know we're going to cover it on this show here, but, like, you eat everything. I know. I've seen you eat crazy things and never a cherry pie. Have you seen cherry pie? It's unnaturally red. It looks like it came out of a horror movie. It's like guts, you know, in a horror movie. And it just looks too sweet. Like the Shirley Temple of baked goods. Exactly. Never pronounced the T so much like that before. <laughs> Exactly. Do you want coffee, honey? I did, thank you. She called me honey. Okay, so we have a slice of cherry pie here. It has sugar on the top. This what, is not what just... do you call this kind of sugar? It's like, um, oh. Turbinado. Is that what it is? Okay, so we have a piece of cherry pie with some turbinado sugar on the top, kind of crunchy sugar. Not just any piece of cherry pie, Rachel. Your very first piece of cherry pie. My very first piece of cherry pie. It is looking like I suspected goopy 
viscous. Mm-hmm. The crust is moving away like an iceberg <laughs> right now. It's no. so gooey and gloopy. And it looks like a homemade crust with like a nice fluted crust. Why does it keep moving on its own? Okay, let's try it. It is so sweet. <laughs> wow. Get a little crust involved. Ooh, the crust is like nice and soft. Mmm, the crust is really good. I bet they use shortening. Yum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that cherry pie? That right there is some cherry pie. Mmm. I think a little bit of the crust and the bite in the middle really helps offset the goop. Mm-hmm. Add a little uh, little structure, a little texture. Usually my least favorite part of pie is the crust. Really? Because um, it's like crumbly. And this is so tender. I love this crust. And this is just a naked cherry pie. There's no whipped cream or ice cream or any sort of dairy offset. Mm-mm. I also thought that the cherries would kind of pop in my mouth, but they just kind of dissolve. Need a little sip of coffee? Oh, yeah. A damn fine cup of coffee? It's a damn fine cup of coffee. After we ate, Kyle sat down in our booth with us to chat about pie. How long have you been using this specific recipe and if you could kind of talk about the process of making the pie? Well, so the original pie, back in the day, 27 years ago, was made by a gal named Garnet. Uh, she was uh, partially blind and, and could hardly see. She was a fairly old gal, but she made some of the most beautiful pies. She made some cream pies that were just works of art. And so people would come in here and have pie, and I believe that's the pie that uh, uh, David Lynch and, and uh, Kyle McLaughlin tried. And it was really, really good. And so since then, there's been some alterations in, in those pie recipes. When I purchased the restaurant, 97, of course, we knew we had to do pie really, really good. And then every year we would take as many cherry pie recipes as we could find, crust recipes, and we'd make those pies and we'd have a cook-off and and try to see which one was best. In the year 2001, uh, we came across a recipe that was actually one of my landlord's great aunt's recipe. And uh, we tried that one, and hands down, it was the best. And that's the recipe we've been using now for probably about 18 years and uh, never get a complaint on it. It's just an amazing-tasting recipe, so we're really, really happy with it. So Kyle says they have searched far and wide to find the very best canned cherries, but he says the key to the cherry pie is its crust. And I love your crust. It's very tender. Is it shortening that you use? I use nine top-secret ingredients. Nine? Yeah, a regular pie crust is a short crust. It's just flour, water, butter. Uh, maybe a little salt. And we have nine different ingredients in there. Can you say, though, if it's a butter crust or a shortening crust? I can say it's got both. <laughs> Two of the nine. <laughs> Two of the nine. Your flour's probably pretty easy to figure in there, too. But Gosh, now I'm so curious. Like, one of Kyle McLaughlin's hairs in each crust. You know, we try to keep it as twin-peaky as possible. So. <laughs> now, if you recall from my Christopher Kimball episode, pie was originally eaten for breakfast. So Aaron and I are obviously doing it right. And by the way, that's a pretty fun episode to check out. You can hear Kimball get very, very passionate about not serving pie a la mode. But back to cherry pie, it's hard to be in its presence and not think of this. She's my cherry pie. I can never remember the next line. And in my head, I mix it up with American pie. And I think, she's my cherry pie. Went to the levee and the levee was dry. That's not it. (laughs) Put a smile on your face 10 miles wide. Is that it? That's one of them. There is a man out there who knows all of the lyrics to Warren's Cherry Pie, and that man is Joey Allen, Warren's lead guitarist. 
And I can't believe I actually got him on the show. This is something I was really excited about. I was telling everyone, I got Warren. I got Warren. Yes, if I can pull back the curtain for one second. Sure. When we were planning this show, we talked to Jenny. We knew she wanted cherry pie. We think Twin Peaks, obviously cherry pie. And you were like... Your knees were bouncing, and you were like, I want to do the Warren song. I want to do the Warren song. Yeah. Like, sure, Rachel, reach out, see what they say. And it turns out, like, what I thought was going to be a, a weird joke turned out to actually be a really interesting interview. You are so right. I know. I have to admit, rudely, I was thinking of going in and being like, so what does cherry pie mean? And just, like, trying to get him to say something crude. Yeah. But Joey Allen was so smart and so cool and so likable. I'm like, I'm not going to make fun of this song. First of all, I like this song, maybe even love it. Uh, <laughs> and now I love Joey Allen. So it was a really, really fun interview to do. I'm super excited for you guys to hear it after this quick break. listening to your last meal you might like watching my new tv show the nosh with rachel bell we just wrapped up season one so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at cascadepbs.org in episode one i convince an east coast skeptic that seattle now has fantastic bagels and in the season finale we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of seattle episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the Nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. Warren's Cherry Pie was released in 1990 on an album with the very same name. And Joey Allen is the band's original lead guitarist. Joey joined the band in 1987, and then he left in 1994 when hair bands were losing popularity to grunge music. He got Microsoft certified, he worked in the tech industry for 10 years, and then in 2004, he came back to Warrant, and he still plays with them today. Without the song Cherry Pie, you may not have ever heard of Warrant. That is easily their best-known song. But Cherry Pie was not originally on the album at all. In fact, it, it didn't even exist. The album was what they used to call in the can, recorded and done and sent into um, our record label at the time, which was Columbia Records. Once you're out of the studio, the band members at that point kind of go their separate ways. Two of us were in Colorado at a celebrity golf tournament. Other guys were other places. And, and the president of Columbia at that time, Donnie Einer, um, came back to our chief songwriter and lead vocalist at the time, Janie Lane, and asked him to pin a quote-unquote, love in the elevator for the record because he didn't hear a bonafide hit on it. And Janie basically pinned that record in a, or that song in about 15 minutes. And then we all got these frantic calls from him, hey, we got to go back into the studio and record this song. So that's basically how that song was written. And, um, you know, we went back in the studio, recorded it. It changed the entire marketing for the record and everything, as you can understand. So that's the brief history. Is it true that the lyrics were written on a pizza box? Probably. Janie's no longer with us. God bless him. So I, I you're talking, you're talking 1990. So how many years ago was that? 27 years ago. Yep. Um, he he wasn't the most organized fellow. So writing it on a pizza box. If if you read that somewhere, I'd probably think it would be true. Yeah. Everything on Wikipedia is true, right? Uh, you know. Um, <laughs> 
I think I think that's true. I think he wrote a few songs or lyrics to songs on a pizza box because he would just. I mean, if if the guy gets he got creative late at night or actually early in the morning, anytime after midnight. So um, he probably didn't have reams of paper lying around. I would imagine. And so how do you feel about the song or how did you feel about the song? I also read that uh, he gave an interview to VH1 that he did not like the song. I think he was having some issues at the time he did that interview, which i.e. he was probably inebriated. So I don't know how he really felt about it because we never really talked about it post, you know, the record coming out. Here's Janie Lane on VH1. I hate that song. I had no intention of writing that song. The record was done. The album's called Cherry Pie. The record's called Cherry Pie. I'm doing Cherry Pie Eating Contests. The single's Cherry Pie, right? And my legacy's Cherry Pie. Everything about me is Cherry Pie. I'm a Cherry Pie guy. I could shoot myself in the head for writing that song. For, from my standpoint, you know, having an iconic song, albeit, you know, Cherry Pie, um, is great. I mean, it's it's nice that it's part of pop culture and the video, you know, is what it is. The video is kind of tongue-in-cheek. At least that's what we meant it to be. It's kind of like a, a joke and have some fun and, and be happy. So our perspective, the four remaining members that are in the band, we love it. We play it every night. It's obviously the last song we play. And I think at the end, when he came around to it, he wasn't as bummed about the song as as, as he let on in that VH1 uh, interview. VH1 was really good at getting guys at their worst. You know, they liked the train wreck for some reason. So Janie Lane just mentioned cherry pie eating contests. And that is the reason Joey is more of an apple pie guy. Maybe an any other pie kind of guy. I'm not necessarily a cherry pie fan, the actual food. And the reason why is because somebody at Columbia had the great idea to do cherry pie eating contests at every show. You know, whoever ate cherry pie the quickest would get, you know, backstage passes, blah, 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 to whatever said show, right? So they would take a band member to this cherry pie eating contest. And if you can imagine, you do, you know, one or two of those, and you start seeing what happens when people eat cherry pies and, like, eat them twice if you get my drift. It kind of looks like a horror show when you see cherry pie coming out of people's noses and back (laughs) through their mouths after they eat it. Um, so it kind of sours you on that on that lovely uh, dessert. I didn't dislike cherry pie at that point, but after all those cherry pie eating contests, I'm kind of like not so hip on the cherry pie. I'm more of an apple pie guy myself. Joey was in 20 bands before he joined Warren. He started playing cello when he was just a little kid, but Warren is his most famous project. And he definitely looked the part. He was the dude in a hair band. Tight leather pants and long tees blonde hair. And that's pretty much all he was wearing. Oh, he had a black leather hat, too. I want to talk about your hair. What kind of grooming and how much hairspray did you use back in the day? And what is your hair like now? Uh, So I don't know if you've seen any pictures. I love these questions because people, if they ask me blindly, what's it like being in a hair band? I kind of laugh because I am a shaved head guy. Not a lot of guys in the world can have as pretty as a head as I do. There's a few of us out there. Um, so I'd like to say I've got a very beautiful, round, bulbous head. But I'm completely bald now with a little soul patch uh, on my chin. Back in the day, 
the hair I did have, which was all my own, I would bleach it. My ex-wife was a hair colorist or whatever you want to call it, cosmetologist, and um, and would bleach it. And then I would use the pink and white can of, of Aquanet. Yes. And you would spray it on top of your flathead, and then you would take a towel and fold it up and rub it in, and it would just fester like a big rat's nest, you know? <laughs> And uh, that was the way to do it. Maybe that's why I lost it. I don't know. You know, killed it with Aquanet. Killed it with Aquanet. It's it's like it's the epitome of a of being in a hair band. There goes the hair. And that is Jenny Slate's last meal, a la mode, topped with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. And I'm from Boston, so I say vanilla. Like rather than vanilla, vanilla, yeah, vanilla, 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 and I also say hot dogs instead of hot dogs, hot dogs, yeah. My favorite accent is like a deep southern with a lisp, which I'm not going to do for you because that is too embarrassing. Because I hate when people make comedians do stuff like this. That's my honest answer. Yeah. No, I yeah. You don't want to perform. You're not a little pony. Yeah, not yet. I'm not a pony yet. But every night before I go to bed, I'm like, please, I can be a pony when I wake up. <laughs> a southern pony with a lisp. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you can see Jenny Slade in her latest film, Landline. She was also recently in the film Gifted, and she is the voice of Tammy on Bob's Burgers. Thanks to Kyle Tweed, owner of Tweed's Cafe in North Bend. There are so many Twin Peaks locations in North Bend that you can actually spend the day doing a Twin Peaks tour. And make sure to top it off with a slice of Tweed's cherry pie. Special thanks to guitarist Joey Allen of Warrant. Warrant just put out a new album in May. It's called Louder, Harder, Faster. You can find that and their tour dates at warrantrocks.com. What is the name of this? Metal sign. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I feel like when you say warrantrocks.com, you have to do the metal sign with your fingers. Ah. I was a metalhead in high school. I like the Warrant. If you like this episode, please rate it on iTunes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Aaron Mason and me, theme music by Prom Queen, who is a huge Twin Peaks fan, by the way. You can find me at I'm Rachel Bell on Twitter at backslash Hello Rachel Bell on Facebook. Say hello and please tell me what your last meal would be. I'm Rachel Bell and this is your last meal. Ten miles wide, look so good.